Welcome everyone to the Blackstock Triangle and Arsenal podcast. I'm your host Alex, at least for today, and I'm alongside with Sam and Nelly. Boys, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Alex? Yeah, good, good. Nelly? I'm all right, yeah. Thank, um, thanks for asking. Yeah, well, I think uh, once again, a clinical performance by the Arsenal, um, looking ominous, I, I, I would have to say, going into what is the last 13 games of the season. It's almost like we've peaked at a very good time. Um, five amazing goals, two amazing away performances, 6-0 and 5-0. Uh, yeah, overall, uh, can't really complain, if at all, really. Um, let's Let's talk about, I guess, some of the let's talk about maybe both before, both performances and what this kind of equals. I'll start with you, Wassam. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, we are, we are in tremendous form, it looks like. What do you think What do you think has been that sort of precursor for, for us to be where we are now? Um, you know, I, I actually don't know. I, like, I make the joke that it might have been Dubai. <laughs> but um, maybe it's Arteta just allowing the team to flow a little bit better taking the reins off, you know, maybe he, um, during the first half, he wanted more control and somehow we got less of it that way. And now that he's letting us, uh, you know, uh, free flow like we used to last year, because we're looking like last year, we're looking very dangerous. It's allowing us to have more control. <laughs> so I'm actually not too sure, but what what's happening right now is that uh, all the players are clicking together. They're, they're all on fire. Like, Literally all of them are just playing top-notch soccer, and they're all flowing around the field. Like Martinelli is flowing to the right, Saka's in the middle, Havertz is uh, going up top and um, uh, to pick up the ball. It's 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 just nice to watch. Finally, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, I don't know about you two, but it, it's felt like for me, this has kind of been coming. In, in a sense, I feel like how we performed in the first half of the season, we just we kind of just weren't taking our chances, or we, we were we were creating a lot of chances, and we just weren't kind of finishing our dinner, or there were, we might have been taking one too many touches. And it's just there's it, very little marginal things that I felt like we were doing wrong. And yeah, like you mentioned, going going away to Dubai and coming back, it seems to have had some sort of effect where we we look like we're not, not taking that extra touch or we're sort of in sync just that little bit more. And, and it's kind of felt like this is where Arteta wanted us to be probably, I don't know, four months ago, five months ago. Um, but Nelly, what about you? What, what do you think? Obviously, we like, a, like we just talked about great performances. Uh, how, what are you making of our, of our performances so far? I think the thing that's changed recent weeks is we've started scoring early. If there's been one, what why that is, I'm not sure. But it was the major difference between last season and this so far. It seemed to be that last season Arsenal scored lots of goals early on in matches, first 15, 20 minutes, and that hadn't been happening. And then the last few weeks, Arsenal have scored the first goal, scored it early, and then gone on to dominate the game completely. It, even again, even against Liverpool, we scored relatively early and looked like we were going to win the whole time. It's been, I think that's been the difference. I don't know why Arsenal suddenly started scoring more goals early. I'm not sure why we stopped either. But we, 
that seems to me to be the difference. Particularly the West Ham and Burnley games. We scored early and then just looked like we were going to run away with the game the whole time and did. Well, let's talk about the first goal then. Whilst I guess we're talking about scoring early, obviously Odegaard with uh, a real cracker of a goal. Took it was one touch, really good cross from Martinelli. A uh, one touch, but it was it sort of bobbled in the box, and then he sort of just volleyed it into the net, in right into the corner. Um, with some, uh, it, it, I've been really impressed with Odegaard's performances over the past probably three, four games now. Uh, what, what did you make of his performance in particular? You know, you can go into some detail maybe about the goal, but what about his performance just in general? Uh, his, his performance has been electrifying. Everybody's benefiting from him playing better. He's making uh, the progressive passes that he used to, um, going into dangerous dangerous areas and allowing like Saka and Havertz and Chassard to, you know, thrive from those. Uh, I want to bring back what, what Nelly was talking about scoring early. It could be because of the set pieces that we're doing. You know, uh, you mentioned the Liverpool game. We scored on a set piece with that, right? That was the first goal early into the first half. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And Burnley, and Burnley, the first goal was a set piece. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not so, Burnley, West Ham. West Ham. Uh, West Ham, yeah, West sorry, yeah. yeah. The game before last. That was that yeah. was our first goal, and that was a set piece as well. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that could that could be something uh, about it, and allowing us to you know um, not get set up with a low block because of it. But in terms of Odegaard, he is um, yeah he's he's starting to show his true form again. Um, I, I don't know what happened earlier in in the season, but yeah, he was taking that one touch a little too much. He wasn't just firing off with that left foot that he has in that bottom right corner. I don't know if he practices that all the time, but he has that in his locker. And uh, when he shoots out the top of the box, you always expect it, and it still goes in. Uh, I'm just glad to see him back uh, making those, um, you know, just line-breaking passes. Yeah, you mentioned how he's got that in his locker. We saw that a few times last season where he just sort of has this ability to almost like either if the ball's on the ground or it's bobbling, he just has this ability to sort of strike it right in the corner. And it goes, and the ball just kind of just goes straight. Like it's not like it's not like a, a finesse shot or anything like that. He just sort of rifles it into like bottom corners. Um, yeah, really impressive finish by Odegaard. And and I think another thing from him is that his work rate has looked just next level these past three four games. You know, he's absolutely ran his socks off. But it's it's sort of smart pressing. You know, he's not just like a headless chook. He's he's actually, uh, you know, putting in. It, it's, it's almost like he he knows. When certain players have the ball in the opposition, he he knows that okay, I'm going to press when this person gets the ball. Like it's, it's almost like they've talked about identifying like the weak link in back fours or you know in in back fives and saying yeah, when this player gets the ball, we're gonna we're gonna really go for it and we're gonna really just press and, and try and win the ball back. We saw it specific like against Liverpool in particular when Gomez had the ball because he was playing at left back. I think Gomez for Liverpool. The moment he got the ball, it was that was the trigger. Like they're just like, "Yep, cool. You have the ball now. We're going to press." Um, just those little things, I think, really make a difference. But Nelly, what did you make? Uh, I guess of Odegaard's performance. Um, you, you know, you spoke about early goals. What did you make of it all? Oh, I think yeah. Well, I did say the importance of the early goals. I think this is our first one, at least in a couple of games, that's not been a set piece goal, and it was. Uh, 
a very well-taken strike by Odegaard. Don't really have anything else to add other than what you boys have said. Other than I will say it was, um, he made it look so easy as well. It's an incredibly difficult skill to pull off, but he made it look very easy. And uh, it's a mark of a true quality player. When Odegaard's playing well, it's not only that he does stuff like that, but he makes it look really easy as well. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, let's move on to another great play. I mean, there's so many players to talk about, but I want to talk about Saka. And I guess we could maybe talk about his goals sort of uh, in together, really. Um, you know, obviously the, the second goal, the penalty. Uh, Nelly, do you think that was a penalty? Well, give us your honest opinion. Do you reckon that was a penalty? Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> I might have been a bit upset if it had uh, been given the other way, but I'll say, yeah. if I'm saying yes. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I'll, yep. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> even though, even though I watched the game and you didn't, but <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, look, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. And I think, you know what, in, in more often, listen, I, I've seen less given this season. So to tell you the truth, if it wasn't given, I would have, I would have felt like we were hard done by. And this, and this is no, listen. Nelly and I, we've talked about the PGMOL and the refereeing standard in this league uh, a few times already this season. Um, at the end of the day, the referees have made that's the standard. You know, they've given some real light penalties. Let's just say. So, uh, I look at I look at ours in, in years gone by. What I've given ours as a penalty, that's a bit touch and go. But that's the standard now. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, Nelly, talk about uh, the penalty and, and Saka, and I guess maybe some of the. Well, I know you didn't watch maybe the full highlights of the game, but uh, you know he's come leaps and bounds already from the trip to Dubai. He look he looks a completely different player from what he did. And, and to be fair, though, his numbers still pre Dubai were pretty good, but now he's looked like he's he's really but a bit more comfortable, and he's going on to a, almost a different level now. Uh, well, yes. I mean, over the last few games, the whole season really, Sack has been our best, certainly attacking player. I don't think anyone would have argued against that. He's come on. He scored, I think, four goals since Dubai. I think he scored a lot, which is a goal a game. He's doing very well. Um, <clears throat> he's uh, our go-to penalty taker, Saka, and I think he will remain so. I don't think he. I think he's only missed one penalty in the Premier League for Arsenal. He also missed one for England in the final of the European the European Championship. But he's Is that very one penalty that he missed in the Premier League? Is that the one against West Ham? I, I think so. That's the only one I remember. That's the only one he's missed in several years anyway. I, I believe so. Oh, okay. I think that's the one. Wow. I think it was during the yeah. West Ham. Yeah. yeah, he missed one last year. I think that's the, that's definitely the only one he's missed in the last several years. And he, he's quite young. So unless he missed one when he was like 19, then he hasn't he hasn't missed any more. So I haven't looked this stat up, and I know I remember him missing one for England. But since yeah, I think a lot si- of people remember that one. Yeah, but it was it was a well saved penalty. It wasn't a it wasn't a miss. Uh, but with it helps his goal scoring stats obviously, but it puts a lot of pressure on him as a young man, and he d- takes it very well. And then he also then went on to score a very good goal again shortly afterwards, uh, showing that. I think I really do think Saka has been our best attacking player. I think only Saliba and Saka could argue between who's been our best player so far this season. It's got to be between those two. 
Yeah, and it's funny you say that because a lot of the rhetoric around Saka is that he hasn't hit the heights of last season. And that may be true because you, you can still not hit the heights and, and still be our best attacker. But I spoke to Sean about this. Might have been the last podcast, might have been the one before that. He's already surpassed his goals and assists of last season, and we've still got a third of this league campaign to go, and he's already passed it. He's on 28 goals and assists. Last season, he got 26 goals and assists. And this is all competitions, by the way. So, you know, that really tells you that all these fans, particularly Arsenal fans, we have to say, or at least I have to say, have been saying he hasn't hit the heights of last season. And yet, you look at the numbers, uh, he's... Fly, he, he could be on for 40, 42 goals and assists this season, like somewhere around there, if he keeps up the sort of run rate that he's currently at, which would be phenomenal. Um, I don't know whether you guys heard some of the commentary, uh, Rio Ferdinand, he was asked about Doku and Saka, and he said that he would rather, I think he said he'd rather see Doku than Saka. Or he might have said he'd rather pick Doku Saka. I can't remember the exact terminology. I am paraphrasing. Um, I don't know what earth he's on to pick <laughs> Doku over Saka. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely a, a huge slap. And, well, once again, it's not the first time that an Arsenal player hasn't got the, the plaudits that they deserve, and it probably won't be the last. Actually, no, I know it won't be the last. Um, but with some... Uh, Look, obviously, if do you have, would you have any comments around the the penalty goal at all? Um, I, I think it was well taken. Um, it could have been saved. It really could have if uh, he just dove instead of like sat down and then dove. But it was it was well taken. Um, it was definitely a penalty. I know it was light, but it was definitely a penalty. And it wouldn't have mattered in that game. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. So who who cares? Um, did you see how mad Trissard was, though? He was so mad. That's what made me believe it was a penalty because he, he didn't get to shoot. Um, but I, I, I was looking at our predictions uh, early from last year uh, before the season started about how many goals and assists Saka was going to have. And oh, I, man. I had I, – I thought 35 was crazy. Like, I thought that was very optimistic. But, um, yeah, he's at 30 right now. <laughs> that's That's insane. Uh, is he at 30 or 28? I think he's at 30. I'm looking at oh, it right okay. now. No, no, I he's at 28. He You're right. He's at 28. Yeah, I thought it was 28, so, yeah. So, yeah, so just seven more. I think he can do that in 13 games, um, at least English Premier League games. That is – that's that's quite a feat. Um, I think, yeah. look, if we if we go deep in the Champions League, which obviously, you know, we will discuss, uh, you know, our chances of, of that a bit later on. But if we go deep – in the Champions League, uh, he's got he's got a very good opportunity. He's got a very, it's a very high probability that he could actually get forty. Which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's if that doesn't make you world class. I mean, I know some people might say, okay, well, you got to win trophies, and look, maybe that is part of the metric. You know, I'm not saying that it isn't, but man, mm. forty goals and assists in what would be what fifty games that he would have played in all competitions this season for us that is. For a right winger, not yeah. a striker. That's yeah, really absolutely. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's like a yeah. Salah kind of, kind of vibes. Yeah. And what, was it Doku or was it Foden? I think it was Foden, right? Oh, it might have been Foden. Look, yeah. either, look, either either one. I got to be way. honest. Either yeah, one. I, I would still take Saka. And I know yeah. Foden's a great player. Like he's a he's a really good player. But mm. 
Saka's just Saka carried like Saka's carried us for years. Could Foden carry a team? That's the question. Could for me at least, could Foden carry a team the size and of the stature of Arsenal Football Club? Not 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 a not a team that has run into oil money over over the past 10, 15 right. years. Not I'm as a right winner. Club. Yeah, not yeah. as a right winner. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, no chance. There's no chance. Like I'm I'm just being honest. I just, yeah. I mean, Arsenal has so much history, tradition, and there's such an expectation around this club. Like, and you know, because because Arsenal's fan base is, if I'm being honest, probably the third biggest fan base in the country, um, behind Man United and Liverpool. Definitely, that, that's, that's definitely the case in the UK. Yeah, there, yeah. Look, Arsenal, probably, Arsenal fans are way more common than Man City or Chelsea. Or absolutely, yeah. And, and I think I, I would say. I would say that's globally too, in my, in, based on my experience and being someone that obviously doesn't live in the UK, I would say that's probably pretty close to being accurate. Um, and I just think that that weight of expectation for a club that is, you know, arguably the third biggest club in terms of supporters in in the Premier League and what he's done for us, especially, you know, you think about when he first came through with, with Emma Smith-Rowe and both of them really kind of, that they had their breakout season together about three, four seasons ago. What he's done, that's just in itself incredible, really, if you if you think about it. But listen, I could wax lyrical about Saka until I'm blue in the face. Right. Um, right. Let's talk about the third goal. Uh so I want to go through all these goals because when we win like this, I just got to go through every goal just because it's so beautiful to win 5-0, 6-0. Oh, it's just, it's like injected into my veins. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fresh into the second half, you know, it, it, Saka again with uh, what I would say is a bit of uh, sort of an iconic finish from him because he, he's done this a few times where he sort of just cuts in, hits the roof of the net kind of thing. Um, and it, it just killed the game. You know, really, it just took the wind out of Burnley. So, you know, when it's 2-0, obviously, it can be a bit touchy. You never know. They, they get one back, all of a sudden, okay, 2-1, anything can happen. 3-0, just beginning, beginning of the second half, killed the game. Um, yeah, with some, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's an icon- iconic finish from him. That's, that's one of my favorite finishes from him. But you just don't expect it because he's um, so good with his left foot. But everyone forgets that he has this massive right foot that just bangs it into the ceiling of the of the you know of the goal. And after that goal, uh, people started walking out. <laughs> the stadium started started filtering out just like it did in in West Ham. We're we're sending people home with these goals. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a be- beautiful sight. Nelly, any any thoughts about that particular goal? I mean, you know. Just a typical, almost typical Saka, or at least, you know, the Saka that we've seen a few times, it almost felt like vintage, vintage Saka. Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely, exactly. I mean, to see, this is the best Saka's ever played, I think, over a period of matches for Arsenal. It's been watching him just, like you said, this was a right foot goal. There was absolutely no way a goalkeeper could possibly have saved that one because it was so high up. Uh, he kind of almost scoops it rather than uh, rockets it. It's like a scoop right into the top of the netting. Even though it's at the front post, there's no way a goalkeeper could possibly have saved that. And especially given the way he's going to go back post with his left. Uh, it was 
he used his reputation, I think, partly. He's, when you get good enough, you score goals by reputation. He, people were expecting him to go to the back post. So then he scored near the front post. Just shows what a dangerous player he is. I'll bring you both in on this on these last two because, look, let's talk about Trossard, though. Obviously, he scored a great goal as well. Um, we could talk about that finish and, and his ability, but let's talk about him being in the team. Um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, Jesus is starting to get a bit injury-prone, and it feels like when Trossard is in the team, he makes us a little bit more fluid, or am I the only one that's seeing that? Uh, you're not the only one that sees that. And a little injury prone. He's <laughs> he's one of the most injury prone strikers. Well, look, I'm ever. trying to be kind. I'm trying to be kind. He, he is still one of our players, so I'm yeah. still trying to. And look, he is quality, Jesus. But Trossard just looks. Oops, I, I, yeah, he looks great. Trossard looks great, and uh, sometimes he has a down game. But who doesn't? And our fans get mad at him. But he, I, I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's he's his striking capability, his his passing ability, how he flows through the field. Like his assist to Saka and uh, the West Ham game, I, I believe that was West Ham. Yeah, it was was picture perfect. Uh, he's he just fits the the style so well for us, and uh, I want him to continue starting. And if Jesus does have to start, maybe start him during the CL games because that's where he thrives. However, during like EPL games, I want I want Trissard to start. Uh, I I I agree with the fan to an extent. I was I wouldn't have agreed a few games ago. I would have said that I would have preferred Jesus to Trossard. But the last few games, Trossard, the main issue with him is he misses a lot of shots, but he shoots a lot. Whereas we always say that Jesus is, you know, a good facilitator, but doesn't score any goals. Trossard moves the play, he passes well, uh, and he shoots a lot. Some of them go in. Uh, so he might not be the perfect striker, but he suits Arteta's style of play well, I think. I think he suits the way Arsenal play. I think that. If he is going to keep playing for Arsenal, he needs to keep playing as as a nine. I think that's the right position for him. I don't think he was effective when early a few games ago when he was coming on for Martinelli. I felt he was just kind of sprinting up and down the wing with great energy and then shooting. He's much better playing as a number nine for Arsenal, and I hope that's what we see him do. I think he might keep his place even if Jesus has a return to fitness. Yeah, I do you think? Um, yeah, do, do do you think? Do you think Trossard and Havertz? Because I, at least when I watch the games, at least the past couple of games, it feels like they almost interchange. Where like Havertz will make a run up top, and in, in in certain instances, Trossard will come deep, and it's almost like they'll switch, and then Havertz ends up being the nine, and Trossard ends up being in the eight, and then it's like vice versa, depending on like the flow. Yeah. Ex- yes, I think that works. Very, I think that works very well. Yes. Um, and I don't think Jesus can potentially play eight as well as Trossard can. So it makes it, makes it particularly with those two, they're very different players, Havertz and Trossard. So if you don't know which one of them is going to be playing at nine, you, it's difficult to plan how to mark them. And when he, we know Jesus is on the field, we know he's going to be playing as, as a nine, really. So it does it makes Arsenal more predictable. Yep. Yeah. If you look at, um, if you look at where the ball is and then where Havertz or, or Trossard are, uh, that's when they switch. So if uh, if we're in our own half and we're looking for an outlet, um, ha- ha- like, ha- sorry, why can't we say Hazard? <laughs> I wish we had him on or two. Havertz uh, will be up top waiting for the ball to be pinged to him if need be. Sometimes he'll run back and get it, and Jersard will actually fill in the middle for that extra pass. 
Um, but when we're in our half, then Chessard goes to the top and Havertz will float next to Odegaard on the left side and wait for that pass to pass around to Martinelli and stuff like that. It's 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 pretty it's pretty planned and it's giving the back line for defenses just massive trouble because they don't know who to guard, just like Nelly was saying. They just don't know which one is going to make the run. Yeah, it kind of it pulls out. Like I think when you have Kai Havertz running forward, Trossard coming back, and you have Odegaard sort of doing this, Odegaard sort of just on that on that uh, right hand side, just sort of you know running back and forward and, and, and doing what he does best pulls the defense out of out of positions and so like they just like you said they just they don't know what to do and then it creates space so in a way i think that's part of the reason why it's working is because trossard and habits are sort of you know pulling those strings a little bit more and making it difficult for like a defender to either stay you know touch tight or or stay on their man um it just makes it a lot more difficult like you said you don't know who to defend so yeah, it's really good I'd be, I'd be curious to know though Obviously, you know, West Ham have been poor, so have Burnley. You know, when we come up, say, against Newcastle, which is obviously this weekend, although Newcastle as well, they haven't looked that good. They have injuries. and mm-hmm. um, But you know they're going to come to the Emirates and try and probably do what they did last season, you know, park that bus and just maybe try and get away with a 1-0. Um, I'd be curious to see against a team like that whether or not it would work and against maybe a team like Chelsea. Um having watched them against Man City over the weekend. Um, oh, it'd be really interesting to see how that would work. Yeah. I imagine we'll line up similar to how we did against Liverpool against Newcastle. Yeah. With Havertz kind of functioning as a false nine from the start. And I think potentially Trossard in the middle. That's what I'd expect. Trossard playing like an eight role next to Odegaard. That's, what, that's how I'm expecting us to line up against Newcastle. And what, what gives you that impression? Um, that it worked against Liverpool, mainly. I think it's the it worked against Liverpool partly because they weren't expecting it. But I felt that it very much gave um, Havertz the what he needed to pull the strings, and it brought the best out of the other players around them. I think West Ham and Burnley right haven't been playing that well. We would expect to beat them, whereas Liverpool and Newcastle are the teams that you've got to you've got to come up with something. So that's. That's that's my impression anyway. Maybe not. Maybe not explain why I gave, got that impression so well. Other than other than that, it's what we did against Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. Look, maybe. I just think that you know Newcastle are probably going to play a slightly different from Liverpool. That's the my only thing. I think I think they might come and park the bus, which I'm just wondering if if that will work. I mean, I guess if they, if if that is the case, then having Havertz up top would make sense because he'd be able to hold up the ball a lot more better than someone like Trossard because of his size. Um, yeah, you could maybe you could be right. I think, you know, ideally, if Partey is fit, I'd have Rice and Partey in midfield, and then we could probably boss it a lot more, like just and then have Havertz up top, and it'd just be like they couldn't do what they did to us at St James's Park or what they did to us last season at the Emirates. It just it wouldn't they wouldn't be able to do it. But I don't think Partey's going to be fit. Partey hasn't played in like what six months now. Yeah. And that's no, it. Like it's just not. It's just not really feasible, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it would have been great. I think it just would have, you know, and I guess a team like Newcastle are going to want to come and be physical and and you know just try and slow you down and how you... yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we'll they might, they might boss Jorginho if he's fit. 
and we try to play them again. Yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually be mad at that because I think Jorginho is is, is a really good, uh, almost like he's almost like our version of Paul Scholes. Maybe not to the level of Paul Scholes, but yeah. he's yeah. got that ability of just being able to control the tempo of the game. You know, against um, was it Liverpool? He did play yeah. against Liverpool. Yeah, didn't Liverpool. He? yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he just yeah, he did it so well. He was so good. I just yeah. Anyway. Um, I digress. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, our chances of winning. Obviously, we're... you don't want you don't want to talk about that last goal. <laughs> last goal, the give you a long throw. <laughs> yeah, the Actually, okay, all right, okay, yeah, okay. No, you listen, and look, look, I'm not a Kai Havertz hater. Let me just right. put that out there. I'm right. not a Kai Havertz hater. Really but, yeah, but yeah, okay, fine. Let's talk about it. Um, first of all yeah Kivior you know we should probably talk about Kivior as well because I thought I think he's been excellent so far but listen mm-hmm. Kai Havertz um, do you think he meant that nutmeg or do you think that was just luck I think he meant to go I think he meant to cut you know maybe he got lucky with the nutmeg uh, but he definitely meant to cut inside and um, you know bear down on the goalkeeper and I thought it was a great move. I don't know. I, like, I know that's planned. I know we planned that. That's the set piece of FC thing that we always say. That uh, I, This is the English Premier League, and I was like, Burnley. They were like, it's offsides. And I was like, this is this is professional football. You don't know that it's onsides. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, they didn't guard Havertz, and Kibir threw it to him. That That is just planned. And uh, and he finished with his weaker foot. What can I, what can I say? That's a brilliant goal. That's a great goal. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you said, it's 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 so strange to see a team play at the top level, thinking that it's offside. You just think, man, what? what? Embarrassing. <laughs> this is so. Embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. It's just like, what are you? What are you doing? Um, Nelly, any thoughts about that finish? Do you think? I mean, I, what, I saw the finish from from yeah, well, I guess front on. I guess you could say. And it went between the goalkeeper's arm and leg. Like the, goal, the goalkeeper went that way and it just snuck sort of through. So, look, one thing I will say about Havertz is he does get into good positions, but he, I feel like he does need to work on his finishing because it just sometimes just feels like, man, you really tempt fate with how you try and finish. You know, at least like, it, it, it kind of feels like what Ozil used to do, except Ozil actually knew what he was doing. You know, like it's kind of a bit like Ozil used to hit it into the ground because he knew, okay, this is what, you know, it, it looked like he scuffs the ball, but that was actually what Ozil was always doing, trying to do anyway. Like this, but when Havertz does it, you're like, you don't mean that. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing kind of thing? But what did you think, Nelly? Well, I see what you mean about the finish, but you can get away with those if your movement's very good. Um, so maybe Havertz hasn't quite got the uh, tactical genius of Mesut Ozil. But because he moved so well in the build-up to it, just before just before he takes the shot, he changes his um, direction of movement several times. And as a result, the goalkeeper doesn't know which way it's going to go till very late. So yes, he does just about go the right way, the goalkeeper. But it's very close and he's very much been off-balanced by Havertz's movements. Uh, the movement before the finish counts as part of it. So 
that's the reason the goalkeeper didn't save it was because of how good his movement was and he did very well to get it and it's you're right it's embarrassing that professional footballers don't know the offside rule uh, they didn't know you can't be offside from a throw in it's very embarrassing and it was clearly something Arsenal planned to work on that like Havertz can be miles offside when the ball goes off for a, a throw in and Kivio will do his long throw first time I think anything good come directly from one of Kivio's long throws well first I can remember but it was uh, it's a very uh, entertaining goal to watch. And I think he meant the nutmeg. Even if he meant it with the last touch, he, uh, I think he meant it at, the, at that point. I'm just having a look at Kai Havertz's stats now. So he's got six goals and one assist. That's, I mean, that's not a bad return for someone who's been sort of playing all over the shop, really. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not mad at that. Really. That's actually not bad. Especially, I mean, it's, it's, it's his first season at the club. So, you know, you can't expect him to, I guess, have crazy numbers. But your six goals, one assist, that's half of what Shaka got. Shaka got, I think, seven goals, seven assists last season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, what do you guys think of that? That's not bad, I don't think. I mean, that was Shaka's best season. Seven and yeah, and that was his, what, his sixth season, seventh season with yeah, us? Yeah. So, yeah, it's not bad. I understand why people. Don't like Havertz. Uh, it's mostly because of the pay. If we bought him a little cheaper and paid him a little less each week, then I don't think people would have a problem with him as much as they do. Uh, from what I've seen, he's got his confidence. Like the the players do like him, and especially Rice. I don't know if you've seen this, but Rice like loves Havertz. And when he celebrates, he's always just so ecstatic for him. I would. I I just hope um that he just continues to, you know. Uh, like uh, become part of the team more and become more confident and is able to link up better. And it seems like it's happening. It, this is the time where it looks like all the players are gelling very well and Havertz is one of them. Let me ask you both this question. Do you think that pay should directly correlate between how good you are on on the on the pitch, basically, in terms of like, and what I mean by that, Obviously, we as fans, we don't necessarily know what Arteta actually wants Havertz to do when he plays. I mean, we can obviously speculate by when we watch Havertz play. Um, but in terms of the value that we put on that, I, I agree with you, Wassam. A lot of people are complaining about the fact that he's on, you know, was it 270, 275,000 pounds a week, which, which is a lot of money, um, especially at, at our football club. Um, but I think. In my, at least in my opinion, do does someone like Mikel Arteta does he value the fact that Kai Havertz is going to win you pretty much every duel in midfield or at least in the attack in you know anywhere in sort of the midfield to like the attacking third? Um, does Arteta value that so much to the point where? He's willing to pay someone two hundred and seventy-five grand and, and pay a transfer fee of sixty-five million pounds. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. Like, there's only one person that can really answer that, and that's Mikel Arteta. But uh, you know, obviously, a lot of fans, as you mentioned, are a bit sort of annoyed with the price tag and with the transfer fee. All I can really say to that is that, well, if Arteta thinks that what Habits is doing, and look, he does more than just winning jewels, but that is, you know, he is winning a lot of jewels, and it does help us. You can see that when he wins that first ball and that second ball, and he passes it off to Rice. I think it was maybe the first goal with Odegaard. 
He wins the ball, passes it off to Rice. Rice is off, gives it, I think, to Martinelli. Martinelli crosses it to Odegaard, you know? And if and if that's if if that's what he's been bought to do, then in my opinion, who are we to kind of question it as fans? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you, Alex. I don't think necessarily that it's not about that's all about the money. You don't make your decisions based entirely on what people bring in terms of monetary value. If we were running it for that purpose, we would sell Saka and Martinelli right now when they're at the peak of their value. So it's not clearly not how you run a football club. And Kai Havertz isn't doing, Kai Havertz isn't doing that badly. Right. He's maybe not hit the heights we'd want him to, but he's come good in a few games and it's clearly what Arteta wants. We've won quite a few games. I think the Liverpool game a few weeks ago is the best example. I think we might not have won that game last season. We might not have won it without Kai Havertz this season. And you can't, if we wind up winning the league because we beat Liverpool, we can't put any kind of value limit or price tag on that. So you can't just, some of these things don't work on numbers. Uh, And as I said, if we were running it for numbers, we would sell Sacra Martinelli now because they're at the peak of their value. Would we, if I'm, if I'm mistaken, would we have during uh, the Man City game earlier in the season? Didn't he play a big part in that in the goal? I I was just going to mention that he's been instrumental in like beating our two biggest uh, rivals this season, Man City and Liverpool. He's he's been absolutely necessary. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know if you can put a price tag on that. It's uh, sixty-five million. You know who knows? I think uh, I think the experiment is still on. I think people should still give him a chance. It's, it's been not even a full season yet. I understand that. Um, uh, they, I think they just don't like him, maybe because he's from Chelsea. But you know, the same with Jorginho. Uh, I, I don't really understand the hate just yet. He he has been. Uh, he has been kind of uh, kind of warming up throughout the season, and I understand how that can be frustrating since we were high-flying last year. It's the whole um, Arteta changing the whole system plus Havertz. I feel like that's the reason that they don't like him. Mm, I think he might also have a kind of hangover from his Chelsea reputation. Um, it's yeah. not just because he's from Chelsea, but because he was ineffective at Chelsea. Yeah. He came over with that rep- mark on him already so he has to do much better to prove himself wrong whereas Declan Rice and I think Rice has been better than Havertz mm-hmm. he came over as West Ham's best player rather than as a bit of a flop so the reputations were at different starting points yeah you know how I would describe it or what, like I would say that when we signed Havertz Mikel Arteta had to basically do a factory reset on Kai Havertz's brain because of all the rubbish that he had to probably endure at Chelsea so he's and it's taken a bit of time to get sort of get him to that point, you know. Like it's almost like you know when you buy like a new electronic or maybe a secondhand one, and you got to factory reset it. It's kind of like that, yeah. you know. Like because he's 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 obviously you know had three years at Chelsea, which did not go well, and his confidence is down. He's probably got you know certain tactics, certain uh, bad habits that are in his game, and all of a sudden Arteta's looking at this thing, probably saying, "Look, we could have tried and delete all of this, you know." Control hold delete get you know bring up the task manager. We need to try and get rid of all this rubbish here, and start again. And I think 
now you're probably starting to see that a little bit more because he doesn't feel like as much of a nuisance on the team. Like at the beginning of the season, it kind of felt like he was a passenger. But now it's like he feels like he's part of the team and he's contributing. Yeah, I've never seen someone so emotionless, so easy to read. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you could tell his confidence was so low at the beginning and how he, he didn't know if he was going to fit in this team and, and if people were going to, you know, obviously like him, fans and all. Uh, and now he he's actually, you know, expressing himself a lot more. All right, well, let's talk about, obviously, you know, we've got the Champions League. When is it? Not tomorrow night, the night. Oh, no, not tonight, sorry. It's, uh, well, a couple of days, Thursday, isn't it? Um, what, what do you guys think our chances are of, I guess, winning either competition or maybe even both? And, and I guess... You can define that any way you like, percentages, or if there are certain games that you're sort of looking at and circling in the calendar saying this is the one. Yeah, so what, what do you guys think? So, and I'll, I'll leave it up to both of you. Look, what, what do you think our chances are of winning either or both competition? I think we've got better chances in the Premier League than the Champions League. Um, I think realistically, even though I like to be optimistic, uh, we've got a 30% chance to win the Premier League. I think Liverpool and Man City both have slightly more points on the board. Well, Liverpool have more points on the board. City have a game in hand. I would not want to be Man City right now. You'd you'd rather have points on the board. Uh, So I think 30% for the Premier League. And Champions League... uh, half that 15% chance to win the Champions League unfortunately I'd love us to win the Champions League I've never seen Arsenal win the Champions League it would it would be the highlight of my life at least watching Arsenal but uh, I don't think it's very likely I think we can beat Porto I can see us getting through the next round it's when it gets later on the semi-finals and finals I think might become be one step too far I, I can see I can see us tying Porto and then having them at home and beating them and getting us to the next round. I agree with you. I think thirty percent is pretty fair for winning the Premier League. Um, I think it is a good position that we're in. I, I think it's better than last year, despite us being eight points clear, because we were so young and inexperienced. We we didn't know what to do with that lead, and we could have won if we didn't lose Saliba. I guess. Uh, however, right now chasing it feels a lot better because uh, we kind of go underneath the radar and there's not so much pressure for us. As for yeah, as for UCL, I feel like we could make it to semifinals. Maybe it depends on who we line them against next. If it's Man City or Real Madrid, and I don't know, but if it's Barcelona, if, if they make it, um, if it's um, sorry, uh, Bayern Munich, if they make it, yeah, I think we could beat those teams. Yeah, I think I read somewhere there was one of those like league projection uh, tables that they make and they has all the percentages. It said Man City was 38%, Liverpool was 37% and Arsenal were 25%. Um and that was that was after the draw that Man City got against Chelsea. So they're still technically favorites by 1% and Liverpool because they are I guess two points at the top they've got a bit more percentage. But I think where we are currently, I'm actually, I'm not that mad at us being, you know, a couple of points off. And we're sort of going under the radar a little bit. 
you know and I, I i don't know i just feel like that makes it a little bit more comfortable for us don't get me wrong i think they will get to a point where i think when is it when do we versus man city i think that's game week 30 we we face man city if we get something if we win that game the last eight games there's going to be a, a magnifying glass on us i think that's when the pressure is really going to ramp up should we you know, win that game or get something from that game and go, you know, top of the table or something along those lines because that's after Man City go to Anfield. Um, and then I think that's when the pressure will probably really ramp up on Arsenal because it will look like, well, you know what, maybe we can actually win it. Um, I agree with you, Nelly. I would love to see Arsenal win a Premier League title. Uh, sorry, uh, a Champions League title, I should say. I, I just... Yeah, it's going to be hard. Like if 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 we do somehow get maybe I don't know get 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 a good draw in the quarterfinals. By the time you get to the semis, honestly, there's be... no such thing. Uh, once yeah. you're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, there's no such thing as a good draw. Well, the thing is, I look, but I look at the I look at some of the teams though. I look at some of these teams. Oh, man, if some of these teams get through, like you know, if if PSV get through and we get them in the quarterfinals, I'm looking at that thinking, man, we should be beating PSV. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I get the feeling the Champions League just isn't what it used to be. I remember I used to watch Champions League and thought, man, these teams are unreal. I don't get that feeling anymore with the Champions League. I'm not saying it's a, like still a, like a poor competition, but it's not the same as what it used to be. At least it doesn't have that same feeling, which look, maybe that's the reason why the UEFA are changing the whole structure of it as of next season, because even they probably realized this isn't working anymore. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. Man. I just I look at some of these teams and I think we could – you know, potentially get to at least the semifinals. Um, and then that's probably when you're going to get like a Real Madrid or a Man City or someone that's really going to test you. And if you somehow manage to get through them, then you're going to have a, probably a tough final against someone. Um, but yeah, look, you, you never know. If, if it gets to the point where we're sitting here in a few months' time and we're saying, you know, we're in the Champions League final and and we're, I don't know, maybe three, four points off the league, I'm going to be saying, go all out. We're going all out for the Champions League. Forget the league. Like, if, if there's a couple of games left and we're like three or four points off it, I'd be like, you know what? Just, I would much rather, just, just focus on the Champions League if we can. Like, if, if we had to. If we had to focus on one because of injuries or whatever, I'd be like, go, go Champions League. See what we can do, you know? But, Listen. Hopefully, this. Hopefully, we win both of them. That would be ideal, right? We just, we just go. We smash both of them with a double. Um, <laughs> yeah, build, build, build a statue of Arteta out the front, and then be done with it. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. Statue yeah. of him holding both trophies. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Right yeah, and then and then and then it's like a little plaque <laughs> at the bottom that says "Let's fucking go, guys." You yeah, know, yeah. like something. Vamos. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay, Dor, I guess seeing as we're talking about Champions League and we're talking about uh, Porto, uh, do we want to sort of preview that game? Um, I know, obviously, you, you, you said just then with some, you thought we might get a draw and then potentially win at home. Do we want to maybe do some score predictions of it for that game? I'll start with you, with some. Um I think our our defense is, is really good, so I don't know if they'll score... Uh, however, their defense is supposedly very good too, so I don't know if we'll score either. I don't want to do a zero-zero draw because it's really boring, but that's what I'm leaning towards right now. Um, however, I'll, I'll I'll play the optimistic and say that we do get a goal, maybe two, 
So I'm going to go 2 0 us. I'm going to give it. I'll say, I, not, well, I was going to say 2 0. Um, I'll say, <laughs> you know what? Actually, we're playing well. 4 uh, 0. 4 0. Uh, just bang. Yeah. Slap Porto, I just, I just looked at that now. Porto are only third in the Portuguese league, and Sporting, who are seven points above them, have got a game in hand on them. Uh, so they're nowhere near the top two uh, in the in the Portuguese league. I don't. They, so I haven't been following exactly how they've been doing this season, but it doesn't look like they've been doing as as well as as Arsenal have. I know Arsenal are third in well, Arsenal are second and much closer to the top, and the Premier League's more competitive. And we're really in a vein of form. Four nil. Oh no, that's nice. I like it. I like yeah, it. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm. Gonna, I, I think we might concede though. That's the only thing. So I'm. I'm going to go four one. Four one. I think we'll probably concede us some stupid goal. Right, yeah. I hope we get that just, out of our system because that's what we had. Before. Yeah, I know. I can just see it though. Like, yeah, we'll probably just do something or like just or something silly will happen in the score. But either, but I reckon yeah, something like four one sounds right to me. And then. Yeah, have the home league and uh, yeah, it's high ho, high ho. Uh, you know, off to the quarters we go. No, um, uh, look, let's. Uh, with Sam, you, you mentioned this uh, before we started the pod. The rumors around Mbappe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, oh, man. I don't know. If, I don't know whether to take you seriously or not. Is this a joke? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we win the Champions League, we can sign Mbappe. That's, yeah. that's true. If we Definitely. win the Champions League, he'll, he'll look at us as if we can. You know, there was actually I saw a Twitter. I saw a Twitter post where uh, someone put the numbers up, basically, right? If we were to pay Mbappe nine hundred grand uh, a week, because there's no transfer, like, and, and they compared it to Osman, right? Because Osman's transfer fee would be like 110, 120 million pounds, and then plus you're probably paying him like 300,000 pounds a week on like a four-year deal or something along those lines. They basically showed that you could sign Mbappe. I think it was it was either three or four years, and it would basically be the same price because there's no transfer fee involved with Mbappe. It would basically be the same price as signing an Osman. And when I and when I, I saw it like that, and when they put it like that, I thought, you know what? That's actually it makes it makes sense. Like, why why wouldn't you try and at least do that instead? It's also better for um, financial fair play because you're spending, you're not spending a big transfer fee up front. You're spending it over a, the term of a contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's better. It's better for it up front. I mean, that's totally right. If you just think about the maths, there's about fifty weeks in a year, right? Fifty. There's fifty-two weeks in a year. Mm-hmm. If you pay somebody one hundred thousand pounds a week. Uh, for one year, that's the equivalent of five million pounds. So, if you're saving yourself a hundred million on a transfer fee, that means that over three or four years, you can easily afford to pay that person an extra three or four hundred thousand a week. Um, mm. So, it's not much more expensive. It'd be very ambitious. I think we may have to sell a player or two. I think we might see <laughs> likes of uh, likes of Partey and Ramsdale. <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cedric. I don't think Cedric will free up the money we need. Yeah. I think we'd be like. I, I think we'd. I think we'll have to see a few, a few sales, and potentially even a player we we like, potentially a Martinelli or something like that to facilitate it. But oh wow, it could be. But it could be worth it. Yeah, um, I think so. 
Uh, well, if we have, if we can keep Martin Martinelli, and then we have Mbappe and Saka, it's like the fastest front three in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, do, I mean, we'll be. I mean, okay. So obviously, what, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. Gone blank. Uh, Onani. Oh, Onani. Sorry, if Onani goes, Cedric goes. That's about one hundred and twenty, hundred thirty thousand in wages. If you get rid of uh, Inketia, it's another hundred grand, and you might get a fee for him as well. Uh, Thomas Partey, he's on about two hundred grand a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's that? We're looking at about four hundred thousand there already. Um, That's four thirty. Some... I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm writing this down. We're at four hundred thirty thousand. Yeah, four hundred thirty. <laughs> um, listen and listen. Look, uh, what feed? Talking... What feed do you want for Inketia? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let's say thirty million, thirty-five million, something like that. Okay, thirty-five million. And what? How many years are we having on a Buffet's contract? Uh, let's say, oh man, look, I, I reckon if we can get him for four years, that'd be pretty good. Four years. Or maybe three, years. three plus one, maybe. I don't know if he performs. Okay, we'll go three years. Okay, we'll go three years. That's about 12 mil a year. Uh, so that's, we're at 30, we are at just under 700,000 spending the money from the Nketiah's transfer fee on Mbappe's wages. And then as well, grand. let's 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 also remember we've still got a lot of other deadwood like that are on loan. Tavares, <laughs> uh, Kieran Tierney, Samuel Lukonga. Um, we got to get rid of all them too as well. Um, I would say Reese Nelson too has to go. Um, I like him, but it's just if, if we're getting Mbappe, I'm like, sorry, mate. You know, it is what it is. No hard feelings, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's maybe that's another. It, it, it's kind it, of yeah, I mean, that's about that's about eight hundred grand a week, and then okay, fine, we'll pay another hundred grand out of the coffers, out of our that's revenue, because because we are in the Champions League, and we get what like eighty million from that for this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, if you if you, get, if you run deep in the tournament, you get tens of millions. You yeah, get eighty so, million possibly just from ticket sales, shirt and sales, and, yeah, all that. Yeah, exactly. imagine the show, imagine Adidas, right? Adidas, they go, we go and sign Mbappe. Because uh, I know that the, the way that the deal is structured for Adidas is a bit different where there's like if we sell a certain amount of shirts, uh, we get like a certain level of bonus. We sign obviously, we signed a new deal like not last, on early last season. And I think it was something like 70 million or 75 million pounds a year. And then there was like a little bit of an additional thing. I don't know, man. We could. I think we could do it. I think that's fine. We can keep Martinelli, no problem. Yeah, I, look, the the main reason I like it so much is uh, not only because it's possible, but it it makes us, you know, a bigger club. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's a statement it's, signing. It's for a sure. statement signing. And if Mbappe is going to Arsenal, maybe all these other, you know, talented up-and-comers who are getting signed, you know, being looked at by Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, maybe they're like, hmm, maybe I should go to Arsenal like Mbappe did, like Henri, Henri did, things like that. I like that. I like that for Arsenal for the long term. Someone at Arsenal has to get Henri on the phone and say to him, "Listen, go uh, to France, yes. go go to Paris. Yes, get, get in his ear, get in his ear, and just be like, listen. I've had I've had I've talked to my friend. You know, you know, I played with Edu back in the day. We won, we won the league. We went unbeaten. Did you know that? Um, you know, and it's just you know, plant the seed, plant the seed. Fantastic you know? idea. It's a fantastic yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah, why not? Give him a walkabout. You know what I mean? Come on, yeah. Henry, do Seriously. it. See, this this is my this is my this is my gold Premier League trophy. No one else has this. Mm. Just so you know, not even you or anyone else. So, like, just want you, like, you know. But you, you might you might be able to get one one day if you play your cards right. But listen, you know, 
It's such a good idea. Such yeah. a good idea. I would definitely do it. If we win the premier, if sorry, if we win any trophies this year, absolutely. Uh, we should go for it. We should go for yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, well, um, um, you got me dreaming, Masan. You got me dreaming. Uh, okay. Look, we've gone for almost an hour now, so let's call it there. Um, yeah. Boys, appreciate you coming on. And uh, have a good week. Enjoy uh, the Champions League. I probably won't watch it because it'll be on a ludicrous time over here. Mm. Um, hopefully we can get the, get the win. And uh, then it's on to Newcastle, which will be a tough game. But I have faith. Uh, yep. Yep. If you're listening, uh, please subscribe, like the podcast, um, tell a friend, and I will see you next time. Bye. All right. Take care. Peace out. Later, Nelly. Later, Nelly.